Um, I, I do have to say this. Well, first of all, how you doing, y'all? That's my Southern right there. It's about as good as I get. I, I, we, I, I was actually born in California, but I, loved, I, I lived there 30 years. Now I've been in, in Texas longer than that. And I, loved, I always tell people there, I, I'm sorry, I was born in California, but I got here as soon as I could. And they're all, they like that. And I do love living in a free country. It is a blessing in, in Texas. We are our own country. It is free. It's beautiful. Um, but I do love uh, your pastor and your pastor's wife. They're the real deal. They love you. And uh, he's a great teacher of God's word. He's an encouragement in my life as well, Pastor Pat. And I love your fellowship, your church. It's just so loving. What a blessing it was to be at the, the men's conference here. And we had a great time. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting in God's word. So turn your Bibles, if you would, to Numbers chapter 6. And that's where we're going this morning. And uh, this kind of came out of really my own uh, study time. I was just, uh, I, I was thinking of the song, uh, The Blessing, that came out a little while ago. And that's what we're looking at this morning. And it just, I wanted to kind of get more in depth and look at what was here and realize just how much God loves us. And that's really what we're going to be looking at this morning. So why don't you join me with a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you this morning that we have a relationship with you. And, and again, as was already said, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, um, you're truly missing out and, and God loves you so much and, and you're gonna see how much he loves us. And I, I pray that you too would invite Jesus into your heart to be your savior, to be your Lord. He has a great plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And ultimately he wants to be with you forever. And we're thankful for that, Lord, and we're thankful for the great uh, God that you are, and I pray that you would just become bigger in our eyes this morning, and we'd fall more in love with you as a result of this time together. So we pray you would bless your word, and we ask this in Jesus' name. We all say as God's people, amen. So I do want to talk about the blessing of God. Now, there was a couple, and they had invited some of their friends over their house for dinner, several couples, so a large group of people and everything, and they sat down on their big table to eat their meal together, and the father turned to his six-year-old son and said, son, why don't you say the blessing? And his son was, dad, I'm, well, I'm not really sure what to say. He said, now, son, you just repeat what you hear me saying. He said, okay, dad, let's pray. Dear Lord, why did we invite all these people over here tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Don't you love the innocence of a child, right? Um, but this morning, we're not gonna talk about the blessing we say over a meal. We're gonna talk about the blessing that God commanded his priests to pray over the people. So it's found here in Numbers chapter six. And if you look down at verse 22 and just follow along as I read. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So you shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Here we have one of the most significant passages really in the Old Testament. And, and let me say this, um, at the beginning of the 20th century, the oldest copies we had of the Old Testament scriptures dated as far back as about 1000 AD. 
Yeah, that's pretty far back. But there's always those critics that want to argue and question, well, how do we know it's really a thing? That's a lot of years covered and so forth. But all of that changed in 1949. You know, one year after Israel had become a state, they were there in the land. And of course, in the Qumran Valley in 1949, they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And you find all the manuscripts of the scriptures and they date back even earlier, about 1,200 years. But what's so significant about that discovery is that in that 12,000 year gap of the oldest manuscripts we used to have, and now they're even older, there was not one change of any of the, uh, the scripture, nothing. In other words, those scribes meticulously got it right. And so we thought, well, what a great, it just proves again the accuracy, the veracity of God's word, the scriptures. But beyond that, in 1979, an even older passage of text was found in the Hinnom Valley. Uh, two tiny scrolls, actually there were silver scrolls found, and it took several years for the Israeli scientists to actually uncover them because they have to take their time unfolding them so it doesn't stick together. Two years of meticulously unfolding it, this fragment of scripture, dates all the way back to the time of King David. And inscribed on those rolls, was the very passage we just read. It's now in the Israeli Museum there in, in Jerusalem, and you can check them out if you go there. But this passage then, the blessing, is very significant. We're told here that Aaron and his sons were to say this blessing over the people. Now, Aaron, of course, was Israel's first high priest, but he is the forerunner of our great high priest. Hebrews chapter five tells us Jesus Christ is our great high priest. Now think about this then, it's very interesting. Here Aaron is to, to perform this over the people, but our great high priest Jesus, the last bit of ministry that he performed on this earth is quite significant. Now we think, well, his last ministry, he, he died on the cross, rose from the dead. No, because Jesus, after he rose from the dead, appeared to his disciples for 40 days, you remember that? His last act of ministry was done just as he was ascending into heaven. And we read it in Luke 24 and verse 50. He blessed the people. He did exactly what Aaron was to do as our great high priest. It says, Jesus led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was departed and lifted up in heaven. So you think about this, for three years, Jesus ministered to disciples, you know, pouring into them, and his last act of ministry was to lift up his nail-scarred hands and pronounce this blessing on his kids. That's pretty awesome. Now, let me say this, God wants to bless us as his kids, as his children. But of course, God's blessing on us is conditional. We think about Moses prior to leading the children of Israel into the promised land. It tells us that he set the people in two halves on two mountains. And on one mountain, they said the, the cursings. And on one side of the mountain, they said the blessings. And in Deuteronomy chapter 27, you could read all of the, the cursings that would happen. If you don't follow God, this will happen and this will happen. It's pretty dreadful. But then in chapter 28, it has all this long list of God's blessing pouring out his people. If you follow him, it says this, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, all these blessings will come upon you. In other words, they'll, it literally means they'll overtake your life, which is pretty amazing. So the thing is, God wants to bless us, but again, it's conditional. Do I want God's blessing in my life? 
Now notice again, verse 23, he says, speak to Aaron and his son saying, this is the way you'll bless the children. You say to them, and then he lists six things. We're gonna look at them in detail this morning. And then he says in verse 27, so you shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. You see, God's name is an expression of his character, who he is. And we're gonna see that these six things are an expression of God's character that he wants to pour into our lives. By the way, this priestly blessing is often called the Aaronic benediction. God applying his words, his character onto his people. And again, not automatic. God's character is an expression of who he is. But we, we have to think about this. Do I want to receive all that God has for me? Because God does want to bless us, right? We think about Jesus. He gave an illustration of how we as earthly fathers want to bless our children. He said in Matthew 7, 9, what man is there among you? If his son asked for bread, would he give him a stone? If he asked for a fish, would he give him a serpent? Of course not. And if you, being sinful, and we are sinful, we're imperfect, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more is our Father in heaven want to give good things, blessing to his people? God longs to bless us. So let's jump into this passage, and we're going to look at these things. And again, as we look at these things that God is saying here to us through the, the high priest, these pronouns are a, a blessing. They're really singular in meaning. In other words, they're personal. In other words, the Lord wants to bless you, keep you, give you peace. Even though it was for all of God's people and his desire for them, it's individual. And it's also, let me say this, by the fact that he says this to us is an expression that we need this. I mean, we are in need of God's blessing. I'm in need of God's peace. I am in need of God's uh, safekeeping and so forth. So there are six aspects to this declaration and I'm gonna give them to you up front. And if you don't remember them, I'll, I'll be reciting them along the way, but we're gonna see that God is a blessing God. He's a protecting God. He is a loving God. He is a gracious God. He is a watching God and he is a peace giving God. All six of those things are mentioned here. Now the first of course is just found here in verse 24. The Lord bless you. Our God is a blessing God. A God who wants to bless us. The, the Hebrew word is barakah. It's used, check out, 415 times in the Old Testament. That's a lot. It means to give life, to give health, to give abundance, even prosperity. <coughs> now, as I said, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, God listed all these blessings, and they were really earthly in nature. You know, uh, I'll give you crops. Uh, you, you, the, the, the water will flow, milk and honey in the land. All these things, I'll give you a place to dwell, you know. And, and it's all these earthly blessings. And God blesses us with many earthly blessings. But what is even greater than that, as God's kids, we've been given spiritual blessings. Let me read to Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. So I, I love that. So they're not necessarily uh, natural, but they're supernatural. 
I mean, the blessings that we have in this world are a blessing, for sure, no doubt about it. But the best we experience in this life, it's temporal. All the things that we own, possess, and have, we're not taking any of it with us, right? But God's blessings are eternal. They're in the heavenlies. And I'm thankful for the thing God does provide, and he will bless us with those things for food and clothing and our jobs and a home, a place to dwell. In fact, the psalmist even proclaims it in Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord God who daily loads us with benefits. I am, I feel daily loaded with benefits. I truly do. You might think, well, I, I really don't. Well, you know what? Then leave the United States for a while and check out the rest of the world. Because I, I, I've had the privilege, I know Pastor Pat as well, to travel many countries around the world. And uh, wow, what, what other people deal with and go through. We are truly blessed. We're, even the, the person at the lowest part of our economic ladder in our nation is wealthier than two-thirds of the world. So we're blessed every single day with earthly blessings, our very breath from God, but better are our spiritual blessings in Christ. And this is why Colossians chapter three says, seek those things that are above. Set your mind on things that are above and not on the earth. We wanna be thankful for those spiritual blessings. You say, well, what are those, Ron? Where are they? Well, there are many of them. Can I just mention nine of them to you? And you know what they are. I'm just gonna mention, I'm not gonna go in depth, but you know, in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, when you're, we are born again of God, we're born of the Spirit. And when you're born again, God blesses us so that fruit comes out of our life. Love, joy. Man, I didn't have joy before I was born again. I got God's joy. I got peace. I'm working on patience on that one. <laughs> Kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I'm still working on that one too. But you know, before Christ, I was out of control. Now I have the control, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's the fruit of being born again. These are our blessings. Our God is a blessing God. And he wants to bless us spiritually and materially with the things that we have on this earth. He takes care of us. Let me read to you one more passage before we move on to our second point. Psalm 115, verses 12 through 15. Just, just listen to this. The Lord has been mindful of us, which is an amazing thing to begin with that he's mindful of us and he will bless us. He will bless those who fear him. The Lord will give you increase more and more and you will be blessed by the Lord. Wow, God is so good. So he is a blessing God. The Lord bless you. And then number two, he says, the Lord keep you. Our God is a protecting God. This word keep in Hebrew means to protect or to keep safe. Psalm 121 and verse four says, behold, he who keeps Israel, he never slumbers and he never sleeps. God is always watching over us. He's protecting us. Psalm five and verse 12 says, the Lord will surround you like a shield. And then Psalm 121 and verse five says, the Lord is your keeper. Same word used here. He's a safekeeping God. Now that word keep is really it's a shepherding term. It's like a, a shepherd protecting his flock. And, and you remember when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, we, we read this passage at Christmas time, Luke 2, 8. Now there were shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night. And what they were doing is they were protecting him. They were overseeing them. 
And at the time, behold, the angel of the Lord said, do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings, you know, and he pronounces the birth of the Savior. But again, this idea of keeping the sheep, protecting the sheep. In Psalm 23, David talks about it. He refers to the Lord as our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and I I fear no evil. Why? Because his rod and his staff, they're protecting me. Now, my uncle was a shepherd. So I, I spent my summers many times in Oregon going, spending time with my uncle and my cousin up there. So I got to spend a lot of time around sheep. And, you know, the staff is, the, the staff is something that guides the sheep, keeps them in line, and it's for the sheep. But then you have the rod. And the rod is, in ancient times, it was like about three foot long. Uh, think of something like a baseball bat. But then you run spikes at the end of it, like a club. And the rod wasn't used on the sheep. It was used on the predators, the jackals, the wolves, and so forth. And with that, the sheep feel protected. That shepherd's going to, you know, stay off any predator, any prey that are seeking to come against them as prey, I should say. So God watches over us. He, he protects us. And God does it in, in amazing ways, doesn't he? Think of the many ways God has kept you and protected you. I, I read a story this week, and I remember back in 2001, I, we've experienced in Houston a lot of hurricanes over the years, and you guys, some of your people came and helped us out in 2017. What a blessing that was. And we've done relief work where we live. We've done relief work in other places, Missouri, Florida. Um, and so I, I remember back in 2001 in Joplin, Missouri, there were some tornadoes that had hit and down. And I came across the story of that event. It was a lady by the name of Cheryl and her two daughters had hopped into the car. This was May 22nd, 2001. And so they're driving in their car and they tried to outrun. They saw this tornado coming, so they're taken off. But instead of driving away from it, they drove into it. And I understand that because it's so dark, you really can't get a sense of direction at that time. Cheryl described the storm as white fingers, you know, just coming out of the sky, you know, coming down. The deluge of rain, fierce uh, wind. And so she pulled over, but immediately she realized she and her two daughters were in the midst of this massive tornado. The windows blew out, she says, and I pushed my daughters down and we began to pray. At that moment, I felt an unexplainable force keeping all three of our heads down as a multitude of shards are now piercing and puncturing our van. At that moment, we felt a peace, though, pass over us, and I sensed the Lord telling me, all three of you guys are gonna be all right. Suddenly, we were now in the vortex. Imagine this, and the storm. And, and in a blink of eye, the twister literally picked us up, picked up the van, and threw us on top of a roof that had been ripped off of another building. The van was smashed, covered with debris, and we got wrapped in some power lines. Suddenly, a man came out of nowhere and said, crouches down, says, I've come to help you girls get out of the car. Do not be afraid. We were, we were rescued. We couldn't believe it. We were rescued immediately. And as quickly as the man appeared, he disappeared. He vanished. We don't know if it is an angel or the Lord, but we're thankful God is a protecting God. And I read that and I said, that's exactly what we're reading here. The Lord will keep you. The Lord will keep us. I think of, we read it in the Bible so many times. How about Peter? He's arrested and thrown into prison. Why? Because James had been arrested earlier and they cut off his head. First disciple to be martyred. 
And they saw, Herod saw that this brought joy to the Jews. He said, I'm going to arrest their, their leader, Peter, put him in prison. Next morning, he's going to be executed. So Peter's in prison. And by the way, he had peace. If he was going to lose his life, he had peace. He was asleep. But at that moment, Acts 12, 7, an angel of the Lord stood by him and kicked him, you know, hey, arise. The chains fell off his hand. The prison doors were open. Boom, he's out in safety. God is a protecting, safekeeping God. Let me give you one more verse. Psalm 18, 2. I love this, this passage. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my strength, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. Number three, we see here that our Lord is a loving God. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Now, there are several thoughts here. First of all, our face, our faces, that's what makes us recognizable to one another. They're all, they're all different, right? We're individuals. And here's the thing. God wants us to recognize and know him. God wants us to have a revelation of him. So hold your finger here, and I want you to turn the New Testament to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Here we have a gentleman that has a revelation of who Jesus is. So this is what God wants us all, to know who he is. Uh, we'll pick up in verse 16. So Matthew 16, verse 13. It says, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. And he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Now, Caesarea Philippi, this is a place where we go. When we go to Israel, we'll always take our teams there. Uh, Pastor Pat has brought those of you who've gone to Israel to there. Caesarea Philippi is an area, it's a mountainous area, and, and carved into this one particular area are all these different shrines and different gods that have been worshipped over the years. And so Jesus, and, th and that was truly during the time of Christ as well. So Jesus takes his disciples to a place where people worshipped all kinds of gods. And sometimes we think, well, man, they did that strange stuff back then. But people worship all kinds of gods today too, right? They worship Buddha or Allah or they worship some pagan god. Or, you know, here in the United States, we worship our cars sometimes, those nice shiny little idols we have. Oh, look at that. Um, or our homes or our possessions, whatever it is. Uh, but the point is this. People are prone to, if they don't worship the true and living God, to worship something else. And this is what people did in this area. So Jesus brought them to this area where people worshiped all kinds of different gods. And Jesus says, guys, we, all these people worship these gods, but who do you say that I am? They respond, verse 14, some say John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, other Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. But he said to him, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, bingo. He didn't say that, but blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't that reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. But what we see here is that Peter had a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. He began to understand. Now you can go back to Numbers chapter six. And we see here that the priest was saying to the people, may God's face shine upon you. And it's a declaration that God wants to make himself known to you. He wants to make himself known to you and he wants you to know him. That's God's desire. It tells us in the New Testament. 1 Timothy 2, 4, God desires all men 
to come to the knowledge of the truth, to come to know who he is. So certainly this is a, a desire for God to know us and us know him. We could also say though, when it says here, make his face shine upon you, it's also a way of God saying that he wants his favor also to be upon us. When a person expresses um, love, their face really does shine, doesn't it? And we see that David says this quite a few times in Psalm 31 and verse 16. He says, God, would you make your face shine upon your servant? Lord, bring your favor on me. He says it actually three times in Psalm 80. Cause your face to shine upon. Oh God, do it, you know. And so as the priest is praying this over, he's saying, may God's favor be on you. God longs to shine on us, to love on us. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 11, wow. God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and hope. Man, God wants his favor to be upon us for sure. He wants his blessing on us. And so this is a way, make your face shine. Lord, just love on me. And the priest was saying, God wants to love on you. And we have that. Did you know the moment we give our life to Jesus Christ? Romans 5, 5 says this. The love of God has been, past tense, has been poured into your hearts by the Holy Spirit. So the moment you get born again, you have that great deposit of God's love. Wow. And because of that, we then read in Romans 8, 35, who can separate us from that love of God? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? No. I'm persuaded, Paul said, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, that's demons, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, we serve a loving God. And he wants to deposit that into our lives. Thank the Lord. Not only is a loving God, but number four, he's a gracious God. He adds in verse 25, and be gracious to you. Now, grace, of course, we know, is an expression of God's unmerited favor towards us. I love Romans 5, 8. That's a good expression of God's grace. God demonstrates his love towards us in while we were yet sinners, he died for us. That, that's grace. Or we have the great declaration of Ephesians chapter two, right? Eight and nine. For by grace, you have been saved. By faith. That not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. We can't earn our way to heaven lest we would boast. So it's all of grace. We're saved by grace. It's the gift of God. And by the way, uh, the word gift and grace are the same word in that passage. It, the, the Greek word is charis. For by charis, you've been saved. It's the charis or the gift of God. They're saved. You see, because grace is a gift given to you. And when you receive a gift, it's grace. They're one and the two. I, I think of it this way. When you have a birthday, they give you a gift. Isn't that true? You get a gift on your birthday. Why? Why do you get a gift on your birthday? What did you do to deserve that gift? Well, I was born. Well, you didn't do any work. Your mom did all the work. True? But they, but they do it every year. Second year, third year, fifth year, 10th year. I don't know why they don't do it when you get older. They do to kind of, 
get a little older, it's like, well, here's a card. After a while, I didn't have time for a card. You know, hey, where's my gift? I was born. I want my gift. But, but you see, it's just grace. Here, we, we just like you so much here. We're, give, we're all going to give you gifts because you're born. Ta-da. Wow, praise the Lord. I like that. But God gives us grace, salvation. Why? We don't deserve it. We didn't do anything for it. And so we ought to be so thankful. I I love the Apostle Paul's response. And this is why we should think often just the fact that God saved us. Paul, you know, was public enemy number one. He he breathed out threats on the church. He, He would arrest Christians and have them put to death. So, you know, he gets papers to go to Damascus. I'm gonna go even further than Jerusalem, start arresting them and bringing them here and putting them to death. And while he's there, God arrests him. He's going to apprehend Christians. God apprehends him. And he writes of it many times, but I love his expression of his conversion in 1 Timothy 13. He writes this. I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, and I obtained mercy and, here it is, the grace of God was exceedingly abundant toward me. He got it right, man. God saved me. Praise the Lord. God's grace is so good, isn't it? Let me read you a story that I think you'll, you'll like once you hear the end of it. Back in the 18th century, a young boy was born into a Christian home. For many years, he heard the truth of God's word mostly from his mother because his father was employed in the British Navy. When he came of age, he joined the Royal Navy as well. He worked on the HMS Harwick. Unfortunately, in a short period of time, he became a drunk and a brawler. He was whipped many times for his insubordination. His reputation for debauchery gave him the nickname, the great blasphemer. So he's called. But frustrated with his position and the conditions of the ship, he deserted. However, soon he was captured and publicly flogged on the ship, which they did back then, and demoted. Soon after that, he deserted again and fled to Africa and was employed on a slave trading vessel. There, his his life reached its lowest point. He became the ship's lowest servant. He was brutally abused all the time. For his food, he ate the scraps that slipped through the slits on the ship at the very bottom of the ship. That was his food. Half-starved and ill-treated, he inevitably escaped and attached himself to another ship. But the pattern of his life was so depraved, he could not keep himself out of trouble. One night, he stole some of the ship's whiskey he was on, got so drunk, and fell overboard. With no way to save himself and doomed to drown, one of his shipmates spotted him, and in an effort to save him, harpooned him and brought him back on board. Excuse me. So he bore a scar the rest of his life all down his side from that occasion. Now, this is what's interesting. At the age of 23, though, and I'm thinking, he did all that before he was 23? (laughs) With the help of a man who knew his father, of course, in the Navy, he became the captain of his own ship called the Greyhound. However, off the coast of Scotland, his ship got caught in a fierce storm. The sails were ripped. The wood on one side was being torn away and splintering. The sailors on board had little hope of survival. They were working the pumps, trying to keep the vessel afloat. And on the 11th day of the storm, 11 days here at storm, too exhausted to pump, the young captain told them, tie me to the helm of the ship. 
We're going to keep this thing on a straight course whether we live or die. And it was during those hours tied to the helm that God's word that he had heard again and again through his mother flooded his heart. And there, John Newton gave his life to Jesus Christ. He would go on to write 280 hymns. However, the most famous is reflected at his conversion on Sea on the Helm. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost and now I'm fine. I was blind, but now I see. Man, the grace of God. And that's God's grace on us because our God is a blessing God, a protecting God, a loving God, and a gracious God. Number five, he's a watching God. He says in verse 26, and the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Now in the Bible, many times relationships were expressed through the facial expression. That's how they would express it. For example, when Cain became angry with Abel, we read in Genesis 4, 5, his countenance fell. When Laban was frustrated with all those times of employing Jacob for 21 years, Genesis 31 and verse 2, it says Laban's countenance was no longer favorable towards Jacob. But here we read that the Lord's countenance is lifted up and it implies his good pleasure. In fact, Matthew Henry in his commentary says the lifting up of the countenance speaks of God's smile. So as the priest is blessing the people, it's saying, may God smile on you with his favor, you know. You know, I, I love this because sometimes people, and I used to even think this, that, that God is just looking for us to slip up and make a mistake. You know, I'm just waiting for Ron. He, oh, there, boom, I knew you'd do it, you know. We think of God sometimes in that term, but, but that's not true. God's watching over us to bless us. Now, True, we as parents do watch over our kids and we do have to discipline them, you know. If they're little and they put their hands in fire, we might have to slap their hand, don't do that. Or if we tell them don't run the street and they're running after them, we might have to bat, you know, smack their backside, don't you do that again. We're, we're trying to save their life. But for the most part, as we are looking at our kids, observing and guiding them and directing them, we're wanting them to direct them and bless them so that they experience even more than we ever had. We, we want to pour into them. We, we long to bless them. And that's God's objective in us as too. He's watching over us, again, as we saw in Jeremiah 29, 11, to give us a future and a hope. Notice also it says here, his countenance be upon you. And, and many refer to this part of the blessing as having fellowship with God. The idea is that, is that may you fellowship with God, that his very presence... His countenance, his presence would literally come upon you. Now, there is somewhat of a reference to this in, in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 29. In 34, 29, it tells us that Moses was on the mountaintop and he's coming down. And as he comes down, it says he did not know that his face shone as he was fellowshipping with God. So as he was spending time in the very presence of God, God's glory kind of rubbed off. And it's really the same with us as well, right? Now, it doesn't mean that our face is going to glow. However, I would say this, there is a sense in which that's true. You know, you, you spend time with somebody and, and, and you know, their, their face kind of shines. 
So it's the idea of God's confidence upon me. It's, it's glowing, you know. I remember having a watch my parents gave me. They gave me one of those early glow-in-the-dark watches, right? And if you had exposed it to the sun at night, it would glow. And when I'm exposed to the S-O-N, Jesus, my life glows. And God is with me. He's watching over me and his countenance upon me. And, and we shine. So God's shining beyond you. His presence be with you. I love that. And then number six, he's a peace-giving God. The Lord's countenance be upon you and give you peace. The word is shalom, right? And it doesn't mean an absence of difficulty. It means a calmness in the midst of difficulty. It's a supernatural peace. And here's the thing, we need that. First of all, before we give our lives to Christ, we don't have peace with God. We're at enmity with God. In other words, they're, they're, we're, we're, we're disassociated with God. But it does tell us in Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Oh, praise the Lord for that. I have peace with God now. But beyond peace, I can have the peace of God. It tells us that in Philippians chapter four and verse six, don't be anxious of anything, but prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which passes human understanding. It guards your heart, it guards your mind. So God gives us literally this supernatural peace. Jesus talked about in John 14, 27, my peace give, I give to you. Not like the world gives that comes and goes. I'm giving you my peace. In the book of Acts chapter 16, we see Paul and Silas in prison. They've been beaten, and yet here they are singing songs of praise. God, you know, causes, brings about an earthquake, and yet they don't leave, and the jailer goes, what's with you guys? What led that jailer? What made him come to those guys? He saw the peace these men had, being thrown in prison, and yet they're worshiping God. Whatever you have, I want. He saw that peace, and Paul was able to lead him and his whole family to Jesus. God gives us this peace. Maybe you need that peace. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. He wants to give you that peace. Isaiah 26, 3, God says he will give him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because we trust in him. And when we trust in him, that's part of the blessing. So God wants to bless you, to protect you, to love on you, to be gracious onto you, to watch over you and give you his countenance and to give you his supernatural peace. I pray today that you've invited Jesus into your heart. If you haven't, you know, we're gonna dismiss here in just a moment and there'd be some people that would love some pastors that would love to pray with you, that you can invite Jesus in. Or if you're watching online, we'll connect with you online to have a relationship with Jesus because there's nothing like God's blessing. This is what he wants for his, his children. It doesn't mean we won't go through trials or difficulty, but no matter how difficult it is, we have his peace, we have his blessing, his protection, his love, all these things. Oh, I am so thankful, I hope you are too. So you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you. You have a plan and purpose for all the things that we go through and we trust in you, we love you, we're thankful, Lord, of your goodness in our lives, we're blown away by your love, blown away, blown away by the depth of what is here and there's so much more, I'm only scratching the surface. And yet you said, I, I, want, I want the priest, I want the pastor, I want those in authority to let God's people know this is what I have for them, this is what I want them to enjoy. I pray, Lord, that we would enjoy an abundant relationship with you.
And if we're not, Lord, maybe we are Christians, but we haven't been enjoying that abundance. Well, then we need to draw near to you. Your word says if we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. Maybe we've drifted. Lord, we want to get back to center today. We want to be in that place of blessing because we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your encouragement this morning. We praise you and bless you. In Jesus' name we all pray, amen.